Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Mother She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, my returning guest is my mother, author Anne Werner. She's here to discuss her new book, The Augers, which is a sequel to her first book, The Melt, dystopian thrillers about a global pandemic. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about politics. But before we get into it. The Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash startmeup. Check out all the tiers. I do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads. You can hear the free shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show just for patrons where I talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little more personal, kind of like my online diary. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup, and don't forget forget, you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now, please enjoy my conversation with my mom, author Ann Werner. Welcome back to the show, Ann Werner, mom. Well, hi, daughter Kim. <laughs> Kimberly. That's how, I never call you Kim. That's how we always address each other. <laughs> author mom. <laughs> author Kimberly. Author mom. <laughs> so we're dorks. But yeah, so basically what we're going to do today is we're going to go over your book, your new book, and maybe talk a little bit about your process and, you know, other books and stuff, and then we're going to get into politics. But I know that there might be an interruption, so you need to explain. I need to explain? <laughs> yeah, you need to tell Would that everybody. interruption be Simon? <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> a furry cat with a big bushy tail who gets hysterical when he wants to go outside? Yeah, that could happen. He's taking a nap right now. Yeah, he gets that crazy. He starts, like, scratching at the window like he's running for his life. He's so weird. Yeah, he gets a, he, he gets a little overzealous that's a good that, that's a good term for it he gets very he gets very overzealous and if you don't pay attention to him he, he goes absolutely he gets more, insane. He gets more zealous <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so let's get into the book now I said in the intro you would initially in 2020 but you started writing it in 2016 which is so funny um in 2020 you came out with the book the melt and that was about a global pandemic oh my god and you're totally psyched. I know. So, and you started writing it. When, what month did you start writing The Melt? I started writing it in the, I think like in the summer. I started it in the summer of 2016. And I was still living in Northern California in Sonoma County. And so initially I had my characters there. But it wasn't working because I needed to find a place um, where they could escape the pandemic, and I went through all these scenarios, and none of them, none of them seemed viable, and uh, they just they didn't work. So then I sold my place, and I had to move all the way across country, and I got interrupted, and blah blah blah. And then, um, you know, Donald Trump was <laughs> installed mm-hmm. as president, and I used the well, I just used Maryland because I, I, I'm familiar with Maryland since I grew up in Maryland. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I would have a better handle on things because I I knew this area much better than I knew the ocean mm-hmm. uh, off of the coast of Sonoma County. And yeah. that's where, where I was planning to have my people hide out. So, you know, I mean, things kind of evolved. Right. Well, and, so, but it was funny because I wondered if you had started the book 
before or after Trump. So it was before Trump, but he was still he's in the picture. It was before Trump, yeah. But, he was but in then the of course, but the thing that I find I found interesting after all was said and done was I would write things, but then they would happen. <laughs> political stuff, right? <laughs> And yeah, and it was or not just political, but social but, stuff. Yeah, yeah but like stuff. because the, the, in the beginning of the melt, I had the Trumpian character, um, and he was insulting the female governor. I had a female governor of California, and it, the guy was just saying all these these Trumpian things. He had not yet. He'd said horrible things mm-hmm. um, on the campaign trail, and then of course he said horrible things. I mean, his inauguration speech was. It was yeah, I know. almost like it was written by Stephen King. And <laughs> so, but, you know, I mean, I just, I just imagined what I thought a person like him would say, but then he just started saying these kinds of things. <laughs> it was like, oh, okay. And sometimes I get afraid to write things down because so often... <laughs> I know, you're afraid you're going to... Lately, they've come through... <laughs> So the the first the first book here, we'll just real quick synopsis is just like that's when the uh, pandemic happened and a certain amount of the population is wiped out and certain you know and then they ninety five percent of the population I killed off ninety five percent of the population let's <laughs> let, let's call it what it is man I I just erased the earth because I figured I was going to give them a new beginning and it was and and it really had started the book it started out. Okay, to be a whole thing about climate change. That's why I called it the melt. Yeah. And but it it just it it became it its own little story. Into, yeah. <laughs> and I knew that it would I knew that it would turn into some sort of a dystopian tale, which it did. Right. Uh, but that's that's what it really was about. It was about climate change. But then, of course, well, but but climate change is a very political issue, which mm-hmm. is insane when you think about it. Yeah. But it is. So, yeah, I mean that's how. Yeah, and I know, my stories yeah. are kind of organic. <laughs> And then, and then, so that I was just going to say, and then in the melt, you know, you've got your population rebuilding, and then they form a certain kind of group society, and then it ends, of course, on a cliffhanger, and then that's where you pick up in the augers. And so, before we get into that, I just want to, I want to you to explain how the name came up. What the augers? Yes. It's funny because I always knew the melt was going to be the melt. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just have a title. The whole time I was writing the augers, I had no idea. And the working t- the working title I had was conflict, and I never liked it. Mm-hmm. And so after you finish writing something, then you get your readers to come and read it. Yeah. And one of the people who read it, a lovely woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who's been on Lorraine, the show? <laughs> Devon Wilkie. Yeah. Okay, she's a, a fellow author. Okay. She read it. And she suggested that title, and when she did, a light bulb went off in my head, and I thought, that's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. Because the, you know, augers, not like a drill, A-U-G-E-R, mm-hmm. but with ending in U-R, these are people who can foretell the future. Yes, yeah, psychics. They have certain psychic abilities. So, and since my book is predicated on certain people attaining this ability it was it was just it was perfect because it, right. it, it it's a narrative that's woven through the story yeah and she came up with it so if you're listening Lorraine thanks so what made you decide <laughs> with that psychic angle what made you decide to do that 
I started that in the milk mm-hmm. when my protagonist, Ethan uh, and Rena Hampton, mo- moved into their house in Silver Spring, Maryland. And their real estate agent showed them this bomb shelter in the house that Ethan was going to oh, make right. into That's his man right, cave. Yeah. When she stepped over the threshold to go into the bomb shelter, she had this experience of foreboding and it was just a bad, bad, bad feeling. Mm-hmm. And a couple of times in the melt, Ethan had mentioned her intuitions. And then towards the end of the melt, she had another intuition about water. So it, it was something that was in the melt, but it wasn't, it, it was not a, a, an integral part of it. Mm-hmm. But that's how it, it, it seemed like the natural, a natural progression, particularly since now everything has been removed. With 95% of the population going, you don't have any more radio, you don't have any more telephones, because you don't have any more cell towers, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't have anything because everything falls apart because there's nobody to, to take care of these, these facilities and the things that we depend on every day. And I've always been of the mind that everybody has a little bit of psychic ability. The thing I mean, that yeah, we call intuition, intuition, right, exactly. You know? And so I, with the absence of all of these external things, I thought that it could grow in people. And I say this only because I have personally experienced things, and I have known people who I trust who personally mm-hmm. experienced things. For instance, I know you know this story, but I'll tell the story for your listeners. Um, I was going to Los Angeles City uh, City College, and I got there early in the morning, and usually I would park on side streets because it was a very busy street, Vermont Avenue, which Mm -hmm. is a major throughway in Los Angeles, and I couldn't find a parking place. And I'm going and going, and I'm, I'm, I'm driving all over the place. So I decide that, okay, I have no choice. I have to park on Vermont Avenue, which I didn't like to do because it's such a busy street. Mm-hmm. There was one parking place on Vermont Avenue, and it was all by itself. There was a red zone in front of it, and behind it was the out driveway to a Taco Bell. <laughs> so that's where I parked. It was about three blocks from, from school. So then I go running off to school so it won't be late for class. Now I'm coming out of school few hours later and I'm walking up the street and I can see that there's a couple of tow trucks I'm thinking hmm and it's right right near where I'm parked so uh, I'm thinking huh and I get a little closer and this tow truck goes by and it's got this car that's all smashed up and I'm thinking hmm but there's still a tow truck there and I'm thinking man that's that, that that's right next to my car okay well the thing is when I had gotten out of my car to park it, and I was in a big hurry, right as I closed the door to my car, I had a vision, and that's the only way I can, I saw it. Mm -hmm. My car was bent in half. The roof was bent in half, (laughs) and when I got to my car that day, my car was no longer in the parking place. It was in the red zone in front of it, and my car was bent in half. It looked exactly like it had in my vision. The roof was creased, the trunk, and this was a 1986 Mercury Cougar. So this was not a small car. Mm -hmm. 
the 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 bumper was wrapped around the tires that had been hit so hard. I would I would have been killed if yeah. I'd gotten there just a few minutes earlier. Wow. And of course, the person driving the other car, it wasn't his car. He had no insurance. He had no license. It was just it was hideous. But I mean, I saw it. Yeah. And from then on, whenever I have any kind of an inkling, it's like, okay, I listen mm-hmm. to my gut. Because that, how else do you explain it? I saw exactly what happened just yeah, a few think, hours before it happened. I think it's funny, too. So I, think, I do think. Wait, I, wait, I think it's people, funny. Yeah, I think it's funny, though, that people will say, I don't believe in, in um, psychic ability, but I have this gut feeling and I have intuition. It's like, that's what it exactly. is. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. And it's just that because we have so many external influences, I think it's been tamped down. But I do think it's an ability that people have. And, I mean, that was, one ex- that was just one example of me. But, you know, I mean, there are other examples. And I've, I've used uh, a few of them uh, in, in the augers. Yeah. Uh, and attributed them to certain characters. So it's just something that I thought would make a, a good through line for the book because I believe that that is a very possible thing. Yeah. I think well, that could happen. You know, it was a, yeah, there was also, we were living in the same place because this was back in the late 80s. And I remember there was this one night where we were sitting, we were watching television in the living room and we heard a bunch of people outside. And it actually turned out to be our neighbors. But you said to me, they're stealing your car, Kimberly. Oh, and, that's right. I forgot yeah, about that. And, and I was like, what? And so I look out, and I see that it's our neighbors. And I don't know. When you said that, it kind of freaked me out. And I can see back, you know, I can look back now and say, all right, well, I did get a little ding when you said that. But the next morning, I woke up, and my fucking car was gone. So. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you were just, just making a joke, but it, something made you say that. Exactly. So I think that a lot of the times people just put things down to coincidence, but it's not really a coincidence. I think it's it's something that that we have. Now, I've talked to to several people, and I mean, it's not an unusual thing. I mean, some people don't want to talk about it because they're afraid of it or they're embarrassed or they think people think they're crazy. But if you you really start talking to people about it, you'll find it... (laughs) We Most all have it. Yeah, we all have intuition. Have yeah, some kind of a, some kind of, of an event, and they might start to look at it and say, you know, yeah, it's not so much I a coincidence. Because I yeah, this and then this happened. Yeah, and I thought it was just a coincidence, but maybe it was something else. And I think it, it's something else. I think sometimes that we just have the ability to perceive things that um, are not for lack of a better expression, uh, visible to the naked eye. Yeah, more to life than meets the eye. I always say that. Um, Absolutely. So, okay, now I know you got this idea. You were you were originally thinking about writing a, about a climate situation, and you did. Actually, your book opens up, the way the melt opens up, it does tie yeah. in climate, although the story goes into a pandemic. But um, so I just wanted to know, like, what is your process when you come up with this idea and you're like, hey, I'm going to write about climate, then where does it go from there? How, how does one thing lead to the other? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, you know, the thing is, is some people use an outline. They know the whole story before mm-hmm. they start. And so then they outline it. And then, of course, it, you know, it, it, it can change and grow as they're writing it. 
I cannot work on an outline because I never, ever, ever have known where any of my books (laughs) were going to end up. Never. And every time I start a book, I'm terrified (laughs) that I'm not going to be able to write it because I really, all I have is an idea for something. And, but what makes me keep on going is I read this wonderful book by Stephen King. It was called On Writing, and it's talking about the process of writing. And I felt so good when he wrote that he doesn't use an outline. Mm-hmm. He begins with a what if, mm-hmm. and then it lets it take off. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do. What if, and then you run with it. And yeah. what happens with me is I start with a, a what if idea. Yeah. And then... It just kind of happens organically because I think, okay, what if this happened? What would I do? Yeah. Where would I go? How would I react? And and I sit there and I think about it, and then all of a sudden it just it just does well. I do this, and sometimes it comes out as dreck, <laughs> but I keep the dreck because mm-hmm. in the dreck I can always find one little kernel that I really really like. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's 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 my process. I mean, it's just a thing that uh, my story actually. My stories actually reveal themselves to me. Yes, yes. That's the best way I can put it. I, I, I mean, I think, I can't say that I inherited that from you, but I mean, I know that when I was writing Peyton's Choice, all I knew was I want to write a book about a teenage girl who decides to have an abortion and doesn't have any regrets. And it used to be that I didn't want to give the regret part away, but fuck it, I don't care. Um, yeah. it's, it's about the story. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah the, the, it, this is not a new idea that a person has an abortion. But for me, you know, I didn't know either. I knew that was what I wanted to write. And so I sat down and I just decided, you know, it was great for me because I just went back in time to my high school years when we lived in Torrance. And I basically applied that backdrop to this storyline. And it played out like a movie in front of my eyes. And I just typed it. And it was like yeah, well, going pretty, through a yeah. ride. That, that's pretty much that's pretty much what I do. I do. I see things, and actually, I, I've seen somebody had commented that it was like it's like watching a movie mm-hmm. because that's what I, that's what that's what I do, and obviously that's what you do. It's it's like you're watching it in your head, and mm-hmm. it just comes out. Yeah, I mean, you 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 obviously are in the car steering it, but it's like yeah. in some cases it's like shit surprises you i remember the, the day that i wrote um of course we'll get back to your book in a second but i just have to say the day that i wrote the set the sex scene because it was a first time sex scene i was yeah. kind of nervous about it i didn't know exactly what i wanted to do and of course i did go along i i did ch- choose a very <laughs> because uh even though this was supposed to be set in modern times I was kind of going back into my youth. So I I, I chose the ideal situation to lose your virginity at that time at prom and all of that. But it was like I took the entire day to write. It was like an eight-hour day. And I remember it was so fun. It scared me at first, but then I got into it, and it was so fun. And by the end of the day, though, I was so completely, like, exhausted and depleted. Just depleted. It's weird, isn't it, that you're just sitting there, and when you're done, you wake up, and it's almost like you've, <laughs> yeah, you wake you've up. done a yeah. marathon. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and you're in, you're in the zone. So you kind of yeah. you get out of that zone, and you're, you're exhausted. It takes so much out of you, but it was, like, so thrilling. I'll never forget it. Um, I mean, and I'm, you know, I, I've got an idea for a book right now, but I'm not going to write it at this point. I'm just, I'm not going to put, I have so much other things that I have to do. So many other things I have to do that I don't have time. Um, okay. So back to your book. I just wanted to also ask you how many, um, 
How many books are you planning for this year? This is the second book. So there's The Melt, The Augers. How many books are you planning for this particular series? Well, at least three, maybe four. But I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards, I, I, I kind of know what I want to, well, it's not that I kind of know. I actually know the point I want to make with all of this. Mm-hmm. And I think I, can, I think I can wrap it up in book three. But I'm not quite sure. <laughs> and if I can, I will. If I can't, well, then there will be a book four. But I don't know that because, like I told you, I don't ever know exactly yeah, right. where something's going to go. It just kind of takes off. But I do have a point yeah. that I am making with this while I'm making my points in the book because, you know, I mean, I just use elements. I, I just find it interesting is every once in a while you know i get a i get a drive by <laughs> yeah. from somebody that's what i call them um who gives me a trash review okay where you know they haven't bought the book they haven't read it and um you, you can tell yeah because it's usually just a one-line insult right. on amazon and it's like well you know I'm i've had those <laughs> This, is, this person is a lousy writer, and it's like, you know, I'm a lot of things, but I, I know I am a good writer because I, I'm a, I, li- I read, you yeah, know. Yeah, you are a good And writer. so I appreciate the written word, and I take cues from a variety of, of, of different authors that I've read, and God knows I've read thousands of books in my life because I've been a reader since I was a kid, and now, you know. I can <laughs> attest mom, to that. So. Yes, um, <laughs> you've always been a no t- type A personality. You always got straight A's and you're a good writer because yeah, well, you're always well, reading. Well, I did always get, I did well, always get pretty straight much. A's except, okay, I did fail Latin because I hated it <laughs> and I wouldn't do it <laughs> and the teacher hated me and she made me take it the second year and I said, I can't because I'll fail. She goes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the most okay, part. that was a kick in the butt and I, and, um, I don't think I did very well in chemistry. Yeah, but for the I most mean, part. I, you know, I mean, I did okay in chemistry. I passed and everything, but usually <laughs> I was like straight A. But I had to, I really had to have an interest. Yeah. And usually I'm interested in everything, but Latin and chemistry just didn't <laughs> do it for me. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk about politics. But before we do, we have to take a quick break, and we'll be back after this message. Hey everyone, it's A.G. from Muller She Wrote and The Daily Beans. And Steve Pearson from the How We Win podcast. We're bringing together some of our besties for a live super pod to raise money for the How We Win Fund and elect Democrats in November. Featuring us, of course. The hilarious Frangela duo. Ben and Brett Mazelis from the Midas Touch podcast. And the one and only Kathy Griffin. Join us on Monday, August 22nd at Largo in Los Angeles. Go to HowWeWinLive.com and get your tickets now. That's HowWeWinLive.com. All right, we are back. All right, so now, you know, I didn't write any, like, sometimes I decide, okay, we're going to talk about this and that and this and that. But because you and I could talk all day long, which we won't do, but we could. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, we're going to throw some things out there and, and, and talk about just goings up. I heard a kitty. That was uh, Jezzy, wasn't it? Or was that Simon? That was Jezebel. Yes, that was Jezebel. <laughs> she wants to be brushed. That's her new thing. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Hi, Jezzy. Um, so the thing that I want to kind of focus on right now, because I really okay. think it's important and I've been beating it, you know, it's, it's not a dead horse. 
but I'm just beating it anyway, is the optimistic angle of these midterms. And, you know, you and I have always, every morning we talk about it. And for the past couple of weeks now, you've been saying, and I've been repeating, uh, that, you know, we feel cautiously optimistic. And I just kind of want to hit on the the Roe decision, because I knew this was going to, I didn't know exactly what was going to happen but i did know it was galvanizing. yes i was just going to say it was it was a galvanizing thing it was going pissing women off men too but women specifically because it is our bodies that are being targeted and we're the ones who are going to have to suffer with dying from ectopic pregnancies and all that so when you say you're cautiously optimistic I just kind of want you to touch on that. Why are you feeling that way? What makes you feel that way? And with all, you know, what do you have to say to people? And it's not to say that I want you to change their minds. I just genuinely, what do you say to people who like on Twitter say, oh, well, they're probably going to win the House, the Republicans? I tell them it ain't over till the fat lady sings. All right. And and I, I, I think the orchestra is tuning up. Mm Mm-hmm. I seriously, I saw this article, I think I was telling you about it uh, before, maybe this morning or yesterday, but it was an article in Business Week, and it was, it, it, it just outlined how women are treated in this country. <laughs> yeah, they let us go to work, yeah. they let us kind of get ahead, but they don't give us any support. They don't want to do family leave. Yeah. That should be mandatory. Um, it's like the, especially for poor women, yeah. like this whole thing about uh, the Medicaid. All right. They, they, they gave, some of these states gave Medicaid to poor women if they were pregnant. But it, after birth, it, 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 it's four weeks and then you're cut off. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. Okay. You have a political party in this country who is campaigning when taking away Social Security and Medicare, okay, that's screwing with seniors. Mm-hmm. That Seniors are their base. <laughs> then they had this whole hissy fit the other day, and this is added on to the Roe v. Wade, which I'm saying that it was an earthquake mm-hmm. because that affects 50% yeah. of the people in this country directly, more than that, because it's, it's, it's the women – and the men who love and support them, right. families. So that was the earthquake. Mm-hmm. But then you throw these mass shootings, which we don't even hear about anymore, but there have been more mass shootings in this country than there have been days in this year. Yeah. And you don't even hear about them anymore unless there's something, there's something so egregious like in, in Uvalde. Mm-hmm. When, when you look at this, and now you've got these old men coming out and saying how they want to get rid of birth control. They want to get rid of abortion. They want to get rid of birth control. And this article that I read in Bloomberg, I think it was in Business Week, the workforce workforce for women really shrunk during the pandemic. And now, because things are so, because of of the inflationary pressures of the war in Ukraine and the, the remaining supply chain issues, and the fact that we, are, we still have a pandemic, even though some people want to ignore that. I know. A lot of women, they can't go back to work because they can't afford childcare. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous. Now, I, when, when I was young and you were just a little, you know, you were in nursery school, 
and I was struggling. I made, before taxes, my paycheck was $104.50 a week. That was my paycheck. And then they took taxes out of that. Well, and I was getting a little bit of money, you know, in child support. Mm -hmm. Well, the nursery school was $28 a week. For, that was, uh, that yeah. was a killer. Yeah. And I had no idea that anything was available available to me and then one day I, when I picked you up they knew that you know now it was you know that now I'm, I'm a single mom mm -hmm. and I was approached and they said you know we know you're struggling you can get federal help that was the first time that I ever participated and ever spoke in public because I had no idea well I applied for the federal assistance and it took it from $28 a week to eight dollars a week to pay for daycare it made mm -hmm. all the difference in the world yeah. for me it was a difference between me going to work or having to go on welfare right so and 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 then they were going to take it away and i remember i went to i went downtown and it was in baltimore uh at the um federal plaza and it's the first time i ever got up and spoke in front of a crowd but it was because it, it, you know, it affected me. Well, now I'm looking at, at all of these decisions mm -hmm. that, you know, that are being made by this crazy court that was installed illegally, in my opinion, by an illegal president. And how do they expect to get, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I know people will still vote for these people, yeah. but my God, if you're a veteran <laughs> and you vote for them, you really need help because <laughs> just that that thing the that, that thing that they did i mean you know the bill that passed is exactly the bill that they blocked mm -hmm. there were no changes to it they were just angry mm -hmm. because democrats outmaneuvered them <laughs> so what did mansion, they do yeah. they stuck it to veterans right. okay veterans are a big they're a big part of the people that support republicans i know, I know. but you know i wonder now at what, how veterans are feeling when they, when they know, okay, they're, they're using us as a political pawn. Right. You can say what you want about Democrats, and I wish Democrats would do a little bit more, but, you know, right now they're hamstrung. Mm -hmm. So, because they, you know, we're, we're waiting to see about Kirsten Cinema, but I think I Kirsten Cinema is going to, I think she's going to go along because there's stuff in here that she cares about. Yeah. I think, um, you know, she's looking at it and blah, blah, blah. That's what I heard. She likes the spotlight. Yeah. She wants, she wants, she wants something to bring home the bacon to yeah. Arizona because in the, in that agreement, uh, Joe Manchin got something for mm -hmm. his, you know, for West Virginia. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I look at it. So they, so they're screwing with women. They're screwing with veterans. They, they, their, 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 their answer to school shootings is more guns. Mm -hmm. I mean, people are looking at this and they're going, what the hell? Yeah. So that's why I really am. I'm cautiously optimistic. And then that whole thing in Kansas, that whole thing in Kansas. I know. Yeah. I mean, well, you know what? Oh, that that you know, could be... be really close. And I mean, it was a freaking landslide. And that could so be that's just why. this. Yeah, I that don't think people are as tuned out. I think a lot of people look and they see they see all the social media and stuff. And, and social media is just a wash in bots and trolls. It's right before an election, so you have all of this stuff. But if you if you take a look, if you go and you look at these people that are, are, are making these toxic posts and tweets, you know, 
they're, they're like on Twitter, you can see, okay, since they've been a member of Twitter, you know, been on Twitter since 2009, they got 56 followers. Mm -hmm. So you know what they are. Who's on Twitter since 2009 and, and hasn't done anything, okay, but now all of a sudden he, well, this, this, this individual with some kind of a weird avatar, you don't know who the hell they are and you don't know where they are. I, I look at it, I ignore all that stuff. I just block them all because it, I, don't, I don't even want them showing up on my feed. Yeah, I know. Well, they're it, just, it's just they're ridiculous just because, they, because then you start to feel down. Well, and I just wanted to say that Kansas, too, I think with Kansas – that is a good kind of reply to anybody who starts talking about us losing the house, which I'm not saying it's a guarantee. We're not guaranteed to win the house. But I think that, you know, if, if you would have said I, here, you had all these people surprised. Uh, you know, I, I said on the um, patrons only show, I think I did like three patrons only shows. So I don't remember which one I'm using, but at least okay. one in one of the patrons only shows that I may or may not use can't like Kansas surprised journalists. And I, I said today on the show that we weren't surprised, you and me. But a no, lot of people, yeah, a lot of people were surprised. And, I, and so what I'm saying about the house is, okay, yes, it looks like the odds are against us and gerrymandering. Yes, it's a big fucking deal. But if people show up in the numbers that we saw in Kansas, show, you know, voting um, to keep exactly. abortion legal, we could win this thing. And it, it is going to be impossible maybe in a few states, I think, but outside of just, I don't know, like Ohio. Is it going to be impossible in Ohio? I don't know. But I don't know that every single state is going to be quite as bad as the other. So if we just show, if Democrats just fucking show up and vote, blue down the line, we can pull this off. And, you know, and I just want to keep saying to people that, you know, obviously always taking Bob Seska's advice, don't get happy because don't, that means don't get complicit. Don't think, oh, okay, it's taken care of and I don't have to vote now. Always assume you have to vote no matter what it is. This is the election. Yeah. This this election is a deal breaker because if we lose this, if we lose the house and we, and, and we lose the Senate, then we have zero power. And the only thing that Joe Biden can do is, is, is issue executive orders that can be repealed by an incoming president, and I can guarantee you yes. everything would be shifted. My big concern is these crazy states that you're hearing about where you've got these people on the election boards that refuse to certify yeah. when there's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. the election, but they don't trust it. That's just their gut feeling, right, yeah. like that idiot in whatever state it was. <laughs> I mean, that's what, that, was, that is what concerns me. Mm-hmm. And... And you have, but but the, but also you know you've got these far right Trumpian candidates mm-hmm. that are going to be running, and I know the Democrats, uh, you know they're 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 elevate. They, I know they're I don't I don't like it. I the don't worst like ones, it. And, and that's like playing with fire. I, I understand like what they're doing. Claire McCaskill did it, mm-hmm. and that's where they got the idea mm-hmm. because she did it successfully. But you know, I know. It, it's a that's it, a dangerous game to play. But they're figuring. These people are so extreme, uh-huh. and who knows? It just might work because I think people are really waking up. I think people – you have to remind people yeah. that if not for the fact that no Republicans at all would, uh, will, will, will vote – hell, they, they don't even like SNAP. They don't, yeah. they, they don't care if little children, little poor children who – don't have any food at home they don't care yeah 
You know, they don't they don't want to fund the school lunches, and they don't they made fun of Michelle Obama. You know, for yeah. you know talking about health. They they want to take away the only thing that they want is to lower taxes. Yeah. And and to and to you know serve their big money masters. Yeah, and they eventually yeah. want to take it to white men who have money and property can vote. I mean, that's, that's what yeah, they just want to exactly. take us to the beginning. Want, that's what they want to do. Yeah. And, and it, it's glaringly obvious. Yeah. And what I really can't understand is how these people that are so on board with this, I don't know, do they think that if all of this stuff gets done that somehow magically mm-hmm. it will not affect them? Do they think that, okay, just the libs are going to have their medication, their, 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 their Medicare taken away and their Social Security taken away, but they'll get to keep theirs? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do, do, do they think that somehow they'll be able to afford their medicines? But, know. you know, we don't, we don't want libs. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. It's, everything is about owning the libs. They have no policy ideas. They never, the only policy they, ideas they have are getting rid of Social Security and Medicare and, and, and lowering taxes on the rich and raising them. They, I can't remember which, <laughs> which one senator won it. He wanted to raise taxes on, you know, on, on, on poor people. And then Marco Rubio in Florida, he says, oh, well, you know, we'll do family leave, but uh, then you've got to pay it back when you get Social Security. We'll take oh it out of your God. Social Security check. What is that? I know. I mean, what is that? He's got his, so screw you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is their, that's their whole thing. Yeah, we've got ours, you know, so oh, we've got you. ours. You go get yours. We're not going to give you any help. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. That, that's their attitude. So uh, and anybody that can't see that, they're not paying attention, or they're watching Fox or Newsmax or any of those. <sighs> I know. They're just toxic I sites. I, I can't, there's not even a, a word that, that <laughs> aptly describes my loathing for the lies and the propaganda and I mean, they're just, they're in a cult, and they're, I, don't, I don't know how you can, I, I don't know how you can. Well, they've been brainwashed. I mean, we know people yeah. in our family who have been brainwashed, and yeah. uh, it's, you know, a lot of people have that experience, but that, that's what it is. Now, I want to ask you, too, with the 1-6 committee, um, you know, we hear, we've, we've been hearing about the Garland, the DOJ situation. I guess t- I, we found out today that the DOJ is investigating um, some of the officers, I guess, in the uh now I'm forgetting her name. Yeah, boy, boy, does that stink to high heaven. And Breonna it's, Taylor. It's the, it's the Defense Department. It's the FBI. It's, you know, it's several departments. And they were, well, remember when, when I remember when Rachel Maddow, when she was on and she couldn't understand what was going on right. yeah. at the Defense Department when he got, when Trump got rid of all the people who knew what they were doing yeah. and he put crazy people in yeah. there. Well, then we found out on January 6th when nobody showed up to stop anything. Right. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> oh, my Lord, I, really, truly, I, I mean, I write stuff that's crazy, all right, but I, tr- I couldn't make this crap up. I never thought I would see yeah, what, no, what none we've of us seen did. in this country. One of the things that I just do all the time is I think back to, like, the before times, and, you know, I, I still go back. To, it makes me laugh because Kristen Johnston, the actress, had said, I guess we peaked in the 90s. And it's like, yeah, pretty much. I mean, that I, it, because 2000 was the Hanging Chad fiasco. And even though, yeah. you know, and that was, that was 2000 started everybody loving the West Wing, 
like even more because they so desperately wanted that kind of a government. And, you know, and we had George Bush and everything. Obviously, we've had people in the past. We've had Ronald Reagan. We've had Nixon and all that. But and George Bush was slightly different. And then, of course, it was the the wars and all of that. But even those times, even the early 2000s felt great compared to now. and, And I remember back in 2020, you know, in the middle of the pandemic and Trump was still president and all of this shit. I was driving and I was listening to some 80s music on the radio. And so I just pretended that that was the 80s. And then like maybe another song would come on and it would be the 90s and I'd pretend it was the 90s. And it was like, I don't, I just, it's so sad that I feel like I can't enjoy, you know. know, we are, what we're we're doing is we are reaping the whirlwind of non-action on climate because what we're seeing right now with the climate is really alarming and you know and you still have people denying that it's happening or mm-hmm. saying oh it's just a natural thing and no it isn't no, it and isn't. you can prove to them that it's not the natural course of things that this is but but they don't you know, you can show them proof and they close their eyes so we have ignored it and and then also one of the things ever since i was a child that's been a long time ago they have been talking about education in this country and how we have to i mean when i I, i'm a baby boomer so of course there weren't enough schools to accommodate all the children Mm -hmm. when everybody came home from world war ii and got busy in the bedroom so all they've been talking about is education 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 but that's all they've done is they've talked about it and education has gone downhill mm-hmm, mm-hmm. during my lifetime. And now I look at it, there are only nine there are only nine states where you where civics um, a, a year of civics, one year of civics is man it, it, you know is to be right, taught in school. Yes. That's it. People, I see people all over Twitter. They do they have to do this and they have to do they have no understanding how government works. People are, they are, and especially now with social media, they have attention span of a flea, they lack critical thinking skills. All of these things are the fault of an of a educational system that has failed. Mm-hmm. And some, you know, here in Maryland, we have a pretty good educational system. And still, you know, I mean, but, you know, you, you've got Democrats running the state and, uh, I mean, we have a, a Republican governor, but he's held in check his, his Republican, you know, uh, leanings are held in check by uh, uh, a legislature that is bright blue and can override him, and they have a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, and he, he's a moderate Republican, which I can, I, I, I can, you know, I mean, yeah. I remember when Republicans you used to be able to talk to them, and you that you sit down and you make compromises, and now compromise is a dirty word, but it's mm-hmm. the only way you get stuff done. Yeah. But people don't understand. They don't understand the process. And if they can't have it their way all mm-hmm. the way, then they get angry and then they say, well, I'm not going to vote because it doesn't really matter. And it's, oh, just shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, I know. It's like I, that, that is such an old and bullshit, lazy thing to say. It, you know, it nobody, really nobody always gets their way. And that's like these people who say, but I voted in 2020. Good for you. Vote again. That's the whole fucking point. It's not about voting <sighs> once and then you magically get everything that you want. Also, I wanted to Mueller. She wrote just tweeted this. This was three hours ago. But it says the January 6th committee in the Justice Department <laughs> have asked for Alex Jones's phone. 
And yeah. so, yeah, yeah this I is going to be interesting. I, yes, I did. I saw that. They, they have uh, subpoenaed, and yeah. they have gone to <laughs> Alex Jones's lawyers, since they mistakenly. Now, you know what? I want to... information to the defense. <laughs> I want to ask you, though. Somebody suggested... Now, this was just a suggestion, but somebody yes. had suggested on Twitter that the lawyer accidentally on purpose uh, sent that, that uh, information over to the oh, I, prosecution. I, I don't know. That could be, but I rather doubt it. I mean, you know, I think attorney, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, well, and maybe, the thing is, is the, but, maybe, but, but. I mean, I, I'm not going to rule it out, but I would think, you know, a, a whole attorney, if, if that kind of a thing got around, that guy'd never work again. That's true, but then at the same time, I guess Alex was it was that the prosecution said that they asked about it, and I can't remember how he said it because it was in the video circulating yesterday. Um, but it was at the trial, and he said that he, I guess, reached out to Jones's attorneys, and they never got a response back. So he could like go like. I don't know if it was a mistake. I can't remember how you phrased it, but I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's like that conspiracy about Ivana falling down the stairs and having a blunt force trauma uh, in yeah. her midsection, and it's like I mean, everybody huh? has an opinion, but nobody yeah. was there, and nobody really nobody knows. knows. So everything is just really all—it's all speculation, and I'm just not given to speculation. I mean, I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but I don't know that it did, right? And I don't know that anybody's ever going to know if yeah. it did or didn't. So. I mean, I just. But it'll it'll be sure. Be I think they're gonna. Did he? They just subpoena Alex Jones, didn't they? Subpoena him last night for the one six committee. Am I wrong? Or no, no. Or was it for? I don't know. So I think no, he it was got. Jenny Thomas, I think that got a subpoena, wasn't it? I don't no, know. No, no, so no, 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 no. The subpoenas have been flying. <laughs> or as so as Bob Seska. I have to say, the January sixth committee has done. <laughs> I have watched every single minute. And then after I watched I every single minute, then I watched the discussions of it. I was just going <laughs> to say. I, to me, it's must-see TV. And um, <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really interested in seeing what they're going to bring to us uh, come September. Uh, I'm going to be interested in seeing their recommendations. But honestly, they have proven their case beyond the shadow of a doubt. And... What, what I find so fascinating about Trump and the people in his sphere is really, truly how these are otherwise, and I'm, I'm not talking about Trump now because I don't consider him an, intel, an intelligent man. He's, he's very savvy. He's more than the ultimate con man. I mean, he really is. But a lot of these people are, you know, I mean, these are intelligent people. But they, I don't know why, I don't, I don't know, there could be so many reasons that they twisted themselves in knots for this horrible man, and they knew he was horrible. They knew it, but it, it's, it, he, he got them the things that, that, that they wanted, like their freaking tax breaks. And I don't understand, though, how they could be so stupid and careless. I know. Because they were stupid and careless. Yeah, they really did were. They, did they really think that nobody was going to notice that the text messages for January 5th and 6th were wiped from multiple phones? I mean, one phone would be one thing. But all these phones, yeah. especially after they were asked, and then they were not told that, you know, the January 6th committee asked for months. It was known that those messages were gone. They were never told. 
Then they were given lame excuses. And that's why there's now a criminal case, because that's obstruction of justice, what they did. Plus, it also shows that, man, a lot of people were in on that insurrection. Yeah. Yes, they were. Well, and, you know, I want to throw out there... um, Christopher Boozy, who's been on the show a couple of times, yesterday he put out a tweet, and I don't remember exactly what he said, but he did say something's going to be coming out in the next, I don't know, a couple of months, like a month or two. Uh, and he won't say what it is, but ultimately he's saying it's going to help the Democrats. And it was funny because I said, I want to know, I want to know. And then so he messaged me, and he goes, check your DMs. And then everybody got all jealous. And they're like, I want to know, too. I have a DM. But he, just FYI, he didn't tell me anything. He gave me one sentence of something that it doesn't even matter because I don't know what it means. And so I, I, I said something to him. I don't know. But, you know, he mentioned about expanding the Senate. And I said, that's great, but we need to keep the House. And he said, yeah. that's true. And then he said, I do think, and then he tweeted this. He said, I, like, I think we, we have a chance. And then also Simon Rosenberg, who I interviewed, who's like Mr. Fucking Optimist, uh, the, the optimistic political democratic strategist, whatever. He, uh, I love him. I love his feed because he's backing everything up. All right. So we've had a, this conversation. I completely went off the rails and forgot what I was talking about. Um, but I, I know I was talking about something positive. I know we were talking about positive. So I can't remember my point. I'm not going to stop the show to go back. Ultimately, though, I think that <laughs> it's just we're getting, you know, you're way older than me. So that's your excuse. And I'm I don't know. I'm just following yeah, behind. I'm, I'm taking your Reva plug. Ooh, that's a plug. That's a plug. <laughs> well, anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, I think ultimately we have there, – there, there's all kinds of momentum. I think what we need to do is maintain that momentum, keep it going, and stay positive. As Allison Gill from Muller, she wrote, always says – have a winning attitude because if you it's have true. a winning attitude then you start expecting things and look if i think you know people are so afraid like i don't want to get my hopes up okay think about that for just a minute i mean it's one thing to stay neutral it's another thing to assume defeat before it happens that's a waste of time and that is you know that's all, you're, you're remaining disappointed the entire time as opposed to becoming disappointed when you find out you didn't get your way. So, fine, if you want to remain neutral, remain neutral. But don't fucking say we're going to lose because the game isn't over and we're still yeah, playing it. it. Like I said, it's not, it ain't over until the fat lady sings yeah. and the orchestra is tuning up. Yes. It really, truly is. Oh, I, I know. Think. I remember Christopher Boozy. So, yeah, Christopher okay. Boozy was basically saying he thinks we're going to keep the house. Simon thinks there's a good chance we can keep the house. So that's what I was saying, and I couldn't remember. But, um, I, you know, I think we can do it. We can do it. Yes, we can. I know we can do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, we can. We can do it. And these candidates, the thing is, Democratic candidates have so much fodder. Yes. They have so much they can go out. I mean, I look at somebody like Beto O'Rourke. I know, yeah. He's going all over Texas. He is attracting massive crowds. He had a town hall the other day that there were people watching his town hall on their cell phones in the other room because they couldn't get into the room where he was. Hmm. And Greg Abbott, he had a town hall, and I think one guy showed up. So the thing is, is... you can connect with people. You know, they talk about kitchen table issues. Well, you know, I think abortion is the biggest yes. freaking kitchen table issue yes. because it has to do with the fact that some people, they just cannot afford to have another kid or, 
you know, or if you have this 10-year-old daughter who has been raped and now she's pregnant, okay, this is an issue that is very important to a family. This is a little girl Mm -hmm. who could die because of this, and she's being denied. I mean, these are... These are issues, uh, to me, you know, they, everybody thinks of a kitchen table issue as, oh, you know, the price of food and this right, and everything. Yeah. But a kitchen table issue is anything that affects a family yes. and it just affects your life. Maybe you're just a family of one with two cats, mm-hmm. okay? But it affects you. And these are, the, uh, these are issues that the Democrats can talk about and say, you know what, if it was, if it was up to us, you would still have that child tax credit. But because we had two renegade Democratic senators and we couldn't find two Republicans to vote with us. Because that's all it would need would be 50 votes, and it didn't Mm -hmm. matter. It didn't have to be, you know, all Democrats. We couldn't find two. (sighs) Fucking Republicans. So to give give child tax credits to struggling families – I mean, these are the things that you go out and you campaign. We need to expand our majority because we want to make sure that we can that we can get these things to you to help you have a better life. Yeah. Because we know raising children is expensive. Childcare is ridiculously expensive now. It's insane. Everything is it's rent, not, you know, it's not rent, like when, housing when, prices. When I was younger. I mean, I could afford it. Now there's just there, there's no help, and then you've got massive. Childcare bills. Yeah. It would take up your whole freaking paycheck. And, yeah. and nobody should have to work two, three, four jobs and still can't make ends meet. Yeah. We, you know, I, we should have one thing that Beto is talking about: fifteen dollars across the board. Now, fifteen dollars an hour um, minimum wage isn't going to help you if you're in San Francisco right. or Los Angeles. But you know, they can raise the minimum wage if yes. they want to yes. higher because right. they already have. Okay, but. But you should you should have a floor, right? There's no floor. There should be a federal floor. Yes. Because the the people that build this country and the people that keep this country going are just the, your regular average everyday guy that goes to work and woman that goes to work and pays their taxes. They go out, they buy TVs, they buy cars, and when they do that, they're providing a job for somebody else. Yeah. And there's well, millions of us, tens and hundreds of millions of us, you know, these people with all this money, but that they have like 90, I think the top 10% has 90% of the money. They don't spend money like we do. They spend money on yachts. Yeah, right. Okay, they don't, you know, I mean, they, you know, yeah. it's nothing for them to go out and spend, you know, a million dollars on a freaking yacht. Yeah. And, and, and buy, you know, these big, huge mansions that they echo in yeah that's not adding really to the economy in any meaningful way because there's so few of them right but all of us okay we're the people that drive the economy we're the people that drive demand yeah and when there's a demand that creates jobs yeah we're buying all the stuff at home goods (laughs) we're buying all the stuff at home goods and target and all that stuff and that's what's driving the economy even though it's all coming from china exactly but yeah exactly well, you know, and so I, I look at it, and it, it really isn't rocket science. And so you've got so many things that Democrats can go out there and talk to people about, and, and it resonates with people. But, this, well, but really, truly, the catalyst 
was, was the Roe Roe. v. Wade. Yeah. That and was I, the catalyst. Yeah. I think that w- that is why the dam broke. It was just, okay, this was a bridge too far. You've messed with this. You've messed with that. We didn't like it. But, you know, okay, okay. That, that's really, I mean, that's people, because people say, oh, well, you know, I don't have a lot of hope. I don't have a lot right. of this. But then finally, when that happened, it was, okay, it was like Will Smith punching Chris Rock in the face or slapping him in the face. <laughs> that's what it was. It was it was a wake-up call. It was like, okay, they've been taken from you and taken from you and taken from you, and now look what they did. They freaking took your rights away. Yep, and, and hopefully like, oh, we'll be wait a minute. taking that shit back in November. We have to do it, and I think we will. So well, November is, it is, it is the most important election because if we lose in November, that is the ball game. That's the ball game. Because if we win in November and we get the majority, we can get voting rights passed. Yes, and that's everything. That's the, that's everything. We have to get that done before 2024. And yep. I think we, we can, can do it. We can, we can get rid we of the filibuster. So we need people in the Senate who will get rid of the filibuster. And once that's done, and now we just have, you just change the rules. Mitch McConnell changed the rules all the time. I know. You know, it's like, don't be afraid to change the damn rules. <laughs> change them to benefit not just your party, right. but the American people. Yes. He always changed them to benefit Republicans. Yeah. We can change the rules and benefit Americans. Yeah. We, can, we can make elections really free because they're not free and fair now no. there's so many there's so many obstacles i mean my god they take away drop boxes they say no they, they've outlawed in some states she's no more mail-in because yeah. it makes it too easy to vote they make it hard to vote they, I mean, it's it's crazy and then even when you do vote they've got states sliced up so terribly that it guarantees a win. Yeah. Now you know Maryland has been. Well, I know Maryland. Um, the the uh, the Maryland legislature sent back a, a gerrymandered thing, and it, it was sent back to them, and they said nope. Yeah. And it was in favor of Democrats. I'm not in favor of any gerrymandering. I don't think right. there should be any. It just should be a. If you vote. Yeah, your we'll vote should count. We'll get rid of it if Period. we if if we get the if we win, we'll pass that and we'll get rid of gerrymandering, and it will make a big difference. So. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so that's going to be it for today's show. I do want you to tell everybody, tell everybody where they can find you and your books. Okay. Well, the easiest one is Twitter. That's at Ann Werner. A-N-N. No, at Ms. Werner. Sorry. <laughs> A, it's, it's Ms. Werner. W-E-R-N-E-R. M-S-W-E-R-N-E-R. Yes. All my other social media plus a listing of my books are at my website. And that is Ann Werner. Dot info a n n w e r n e r dot i n f o and Werner dot info. So head on over there, and uh, you can take a look at all of the books that I have, and you've got buy links on all of them. And then I've also included your Twitter handle as well as your Amazon link because all your books are also on Amazon. So I've c- included that on the Patreon description of the show. I'm at author okay. Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget the extra E. My books are on Amazon, and thank you. What is it? Author Mom. <laughs> thank you, Author Mom <laughs> well, Warner. Thank you, Author Kimberly. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sure I'll talk to you later. <laughs> I'm sure you will. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Buy my book, everybody. Buy your book. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. <laughs>